you know, I've always said if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Hello, print friends, and welcome to the 24th episode of Pine Copper Lime, the internet's number one printmaking podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release an episode every two weeks, and on the off weeks, I publish an article on the Pine Copper Lime website, which features images and maybe a bit more information about the artist I'm going to interview. Episode 24. You know what that means? This little podcast is coming up on her first birthday, so you best believe that's going to be a party. I'll be doing some great giveaways on the PCL Instagram, so make sure you're following me there. Link in the show notes, as always. More than anything in this first year, I have been completely surprised and delighted by the generosity of Patreon supporters. Truly, this podcast could not be made without you. And I know that most people listening to this are artists, which means you, like me, like most of us, are not exactly flush with cash. But this community has been showing up and showing your support. Even if it's just a dollar a month, it adds up quicker than you might think. And in terms of keeping morale high around the PCL studio, that cannot be measured or expressed properly. You all are amazing, and if you want to join that dream team, check out the show notes. And if giving money away for free ain't your thing, take a gander at the PCL Print Gallery. There you can trade your cold hard cash for beautiful prints and help support this podcast and the artists who make that work. Next month, I'm going to be traveling to Thailand to meet with some of those artists, and I'm hoping to produce a short about the print scene in Chiang Mai. Because let me tell you, the things they're getting up to there are incredible. There are print studios throughout the city, and even talks of a printmaking museum opening up in the next few years. There's so much to be excited about, and I'm so looking forward to sharing it with you all. Printmaking forever. Shun the non-believers. Join the party. My guest this week is Jill Graham, Tamron Master Printer and Technician at the NASCAD Lithography Workshop. Graham shares her journey of starting out in Montreal, setting up a lithography workshop in a remote part of Ontario, traveling to South Africa to train a colorblind master printer, waiting over 10 years to attend Tamron, and surviving and thriving in the Toronto art scene as a single mom. We also talk about her reinstitution of that lithography workshop at NASCAD with an eye to intersectionality and collaborating with First Nations artists on Cape Dorset. You are also going to see how to gracefully dodge your interview's requests for hot goss regarding famous artists with which you've printed. So sit back, relax, and prepare to up your litho game with Jill Graham. Hi Jill, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure. I feel um, it really nice to be included among the people you've been interviewing. Thank oh, you so much. Yeah, of course. I've been excited to to talk to you for a while. We've we've had some back and forths. I know you've been really busy. I've been running all over Australia. Um, so I'm super pleased that we finally like found a little window where our schedules line up and we can get you on record talking a little bit about yourself and your practice. 
So I know you, you know, basically through the internet, the way a lot of people in the print world know each other, and by reputation, and by our mutual friend, Jenny Robinson. But I would love for you to introduce yourself and let people who maybe aren't familiar with you just kind of know the basics of the who you are, where you are, and what you do. Sure. I'm here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, at uh, NASCAD University, literally sitting in the print shop. Um, and I'm the technician here at NASCAD, Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. I teach occasionally, mostly intro lithography, and I'm a master printer here for the Litho Workshop Contemporary Edition, which is a new grant project. And so tell us a little bit about where you grew up and kind of what role that art had in the early part of your life. I come from a music family. So my father, my father is a professional percussionist, um, as is my brother. So it's a bit of an odd thing that I ended up in uh, visual arts. But you know, it really printmaking really early on. At high school, I had a terrific art instructor. She had invited a graduate student to come in. She was a fantastic pastel artist, and she really took a shining to me. And I really liked her a lot and spent a lot of time in in her art room. But uh, she brought this master student in who brought in a small press, and we did lino cuts. And it, I got caught with the bug really early. So, you know, 16, maybe 15, 16 years old. And it always stuck with me. But um, I actually wanted to be an interior designer, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what I had decided to do. I don't know. I don't know. But I applied. We have CEGEP in Montreal. So I'm from Montreal, Quebec. And CEGEP is two years that you do before you go to university. And it's a great opportunity out of high school to sort of explore what path you think you might want to go on career-wise. And uh, I actually applied for interior design, but yeah, no, I didn't get into that. I got into (laughs) fine arts. (laughs) Fine arts and and printmaking, again, just really took over really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, the print world's happy that you got into, (laughs) that you were... (laughs) Not I taken up by interior design. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 so weird. Yeah, I've never even thought about that until you asked me. But yeah, um, yeah, fine arts. So that that was it for me, and um, took a lot of printmaking, printmaking, drawing, and painting were my focuses through Sejep and then into uh, Concordia University for my undergraduate degree, also in Montreal. What do you think it was about printmaking? that captured you? Because a lot of people have their, their sort of initial print moment, you know, where they, they, they're just like, oh, this is what I need to be doing. Um, And for you, as you said, it happened pretty early. And it happened, you know, just with lino cut in a high school class. But do you have any sense of why it it kind of captured you even at that young age? I think it was it was sort of all of it and it still is all of it. It's the ink, it's the tools, it's the presses. You know, I, I studied fine arts and made my own art. So that's where I began. And um, the idea of drawing and creating an image and then translating that into a print just has always really, really appealed to me. So yeah. um, Yeah. But it's, 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 it's all of it. Yeah. I think the labor aspects are, are very important to me as well. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Can you talk about that a little more? 
Yeah, I think the notions of working with the materials for long hours, translating somebody else's work as a collaborative printer um, just very quickly appealed to me. And it's the, the idea of the time spent, uh, the rituals of movement, the repetitiveness of it. I would be a great factory worker <laughs> <laughs> um, because I actually enjoy anything that I have to repeat over and over. It, it just suits my personality for some reason. But yeah, the, the idea of work put in and the product not necessarily, well, now never being mine because I really don't make a lot of my own work at all occasionally. But that residue of collaborative effort and the idea of time spent working on somebody else's concepts, um, mm. it just, it all just still gets me. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. And I, I think that, you know, that connection between printmaking and labor and production and then there's also kind of the commercial side of printmaking and its history and still to this day like it's all kind of interweaved I think in this really interesting way you know that when you said you, you'd be a good factory worker it kind of reminds me of that you know is like that 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 history that printmaking has and the real kind of labor and craft that's interwoven into it that you maybe don't have so much in something like, you know, oil painting, where there's more of a sense of like, oh, this is this is a fine art. Everything is very, you know, tortured and deliberate. And, and printmaking right. has that lovely, like, just very grounded craft element to it that uh, I think appeals to a lot of people. The the idea that you can can get just really really good at this set of hard skills. Yeah, that's, that's, you're touching on it there. I think, um, you know, I've always said, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it to the best of my abilities. And I'm a very headstrong person. So I think uh, the training to a certain level and pushing beyond that is just really important. The performative aspects of it as well. Um, again, it's not, it's not my work. It's not my end product, but the residue of that collaborative work together. I'm fine with that not being mine I'm, I'm okay that that kind of leaves after a while but a lot of the artists I've been working with recently will ask me and when I'm in a project it really is mine I'm attached to it like it's my work and I'll put really long hours and as much into the work that I need to to make sure that it that it's coming off just the way they want it want to see it come off and so that I'm proud of it as well that kind of reminds me of a conversation I've had with I think at least one other collaborative printer on the podcast about this idea uh, around collaborative printing. Basically, it's, it's, it's just sort of our collaborative printers artists. If you have any particular thoughts on that, I'd, I'd love to hear them. Yeah, I think there's a pull. I had a colleague once say to me, oh, here's an application for this print exchange or exhibition, whatever it was. And I looked at her and said, "Oh no, I I don't really I don't really make my own work. I'm I'm a printer." And she said, "Oh well, where's the fun in that?" And I was so offended. <laughs> I'm offended. I was I was yeah I was really offended um, and and shocked that um, that someone would would even think that way. Um, I think my training, you know, I I I do have an undergraduate degree in fine arts, so. 
all of that is just super helpful because you need to be able to speak the same language. You're developing a language with the person that you're working with um, already. There has to be that connection there so that you're on the same page. Um, you're searching for the same things that they are. So all of that training is a huge asset. I just have no ego in terms of thinking of what I'm going to produce next because it's right. not there for me. The next project is what's of interest to me. So for me, that's just really simple. I get hooked into the next artist, the next project and not my own work. So it's a bit, it's a bit freeing in a sense. And then that goes back to the labor aspects. I mean, where I invest is more in the physical side of, of um, the act of printing the work. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you did your undergrad in fine art. So how did that mm -hmm. transition happen where now you're just sort of full-time collaborative printmaking? What was that journey like? From Concordia, there was um, an internship program that they had just launched the year that I was graduating. And so I was one of the first two students that um, enrolled in that. It was basically just an independent study, but you had to secure a professional internship, essentially, my professor at the time at Concordia, Barbara McGill Balfour, had worked at Vinyl Haven in Maine and printed for Leon Golub, Robert Indiana, David Rabinovich. And she used to talk about her experiences as a printer to us. And, and that would have been when I first heard about Tamarind as well. And that just seemed really appealing to me. It piqued my curiosity because I think I tended towards the technical side in my own work anyways. I was always working with strange registration and rolling Japanese papers to get it through the press and um you know that helped me when I worked with Jenny just recently oh I bet um, but yeah <laughs> I went for it anyways and ended up at Atelier Circulaire in Montreal mm -hmm. working with master printer Christian Lepoul and he had studied with Bob Rogers who was a professor here at NASCAD University and after studying with Bob, he went on to work with Perry Timison and Morris Sanchez as well. So um, Christian was a, a really cool guy and a really knowledgeable printer. And he, he took me in. I think I was his mm. first apprentice probably. And man, I was really eager. I was grading stones and registering paper and, you know, any little job that he would throw my way. I did this for about three months and just loved it and saw the the printer side of things finally for myself you know in Canada it's frustrating we don't have tamarind we don't mm -hmm. have crown point press there's nothing like that that exists so I found this internship to be the best possible thing and then there was nothing else like what could I do after that right, right. I mean, you know, <laughs> nobody was nobody was really printing so I was left with this big big high after getting all this experience and then it was like I you know I just got dropped kind of thing what was I going to do next you know I graduated and next was a job as a technician I moved to Elliott Lake, Ontario, which Ooh. is northern, yeah, northern Ontario, a little out there, literally one road into the town. Oh. Um, and I, I was hired to set up print studios there and work as a technician. And White Mountain was an academy that was a collaborative effort involving the North Shore Tribal Council, Serpent River First Nation, and the city of Elliott Lake. And it was... Um, they had big dreams. They were making this art academy in the middle of nowhere. 
and they brought in a really stellar group of people, artists, instructors to teach. And I got the, you know, timing was just right. And I got a call and uh, went and built a lithography studio. I finished a design and build of the etching studio. And then I designed and built the screen printing studios there oh, as wow. well. So yeah, it was a great opportunity. And I, I was there as a technician, but I actually very quickly ended up teaching, had a little more technical experience than they knew of. And I ended up teaching classes there as well. And, and then that contract ended. They kind of shift their priorities. It was always a struggling institution. They needed the right combination of professors and, and technical people. And, and I was out. So I packed up and ended up in Toronto and yeah. thought, okay, well, I'll be an artist. I was going to finally, <laughs> I was going to, you know, try. And, and Toronto in Canada is kind of like moving to New York in right, the U.S., right. you yeah. know? Like, you're, you're, you know, you're going to try it, see what happens. And Open Studio is in Toronto. And Open Studio is next to Atelier Circulaire, the, the largest and most well-known printmaking facility in Canada, and um, certainly has a long reputation. And I thought, well, this is where I'm going to go, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my own work. And then I ended up getting a job. <laughs> so I ended up getting hired as the technical director at Open Studio. And this was a dream job. This was where I knew everything was going to kind of come together because yeah. I had the opportunity to print. And so finally, um, I was at a place where, where I could collaborate with artists. Um, Open Studio is multifaceted it's got gallery spaces uh professional facility and screen printing and relief and um, lithography runs a very um, competitive visiting artist program and education program and so i was in charge of a lot there as technical director and the most exciting for me was the visiting artist program which you know meant that i i could collaborate with artists and then the custom printing as well. So contract printing, um, a lot of artists would come through contacting me about different projects. And so it was really, yeah, it was a, it was a terrific job. Um, and I loved it. Yeah. For 10 years I worked there. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the Atelier Circulaire, is that, uh, you know, you said you, you were talking about how like we don't in Canada, they don't have the Crown Point or the Tamarind. Would you say that that's yeah. probably the, the closest in, in the Canadian art system? No, there's nothing really like those places. Okay. Tamarind's an education program training printers. And mm -hmm. Crown Point, you know, will also train people to a degree. But these are um, high-end production facilities that collaborate with big names in the art world. And it just doesn't happen in Canada quite the same way. There's private studios. So there's, um, you know, people that I know in Montreal that, that will accept contracts. But uh, the, it's just very different. Artists print for themselves. Printmakers mm -hmm. make prints for themselves in Canada, and there's few and far between where there's actually contract printing happening. And certainly publishing just doesn't happen an awful lot. It's just a different system. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think that is? I really don't know. And it's really interesting for me and a little bit part of my research. There were publishers, and Open Studio would have been at the forefront of that back in the 70s. They were publishing a lot more because there was a lot more money being thrown at art, basically. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you know, you're saying would Circulaire have been that? I would say Circulaire, uh, Guild Graphic in Montreal. Certainly Montreal is a very vibrant cultural community and printmaking has a long history there and their ties are a lot more 
European. So there definitely is collaborative printing happening, but just not, not in the same way that it happens in the U.S. And then, yeah, I would say that in English Canada, um, Open Studio would have been it. Where does Tamarind fall in this this arc? <laughs> uh, that you have you have have you gone to Tamarind yet at this point, um, or was it after Atelier Circulaire? No. So you know, Tamarind was always at the back of my mind. But what I haven't mentioned yet is that I've I've I'm a single mother. So well, she's grown now. But oh. um, through all this time, I had I had a daughter, um, and when I was in university, she would have just been two years old when I started. So you know, as much as I wanted to go to Tamarind. I just couldn't bring a small child with me and and didn't didn't just didn't feel like I could do it. And the other interesting thing is Sarah Dudley, who is also a Tamarin master printer and owner of Keystone Editions in Berlin, she and I were at Concordia University at the same time and we struck up a friendship and we both had huge ambitions to go to Tamarind. So that year that I graduated and again and did this internship, I knew she was going to apply. And I thought, well, I've, I've got my daughter to think about. And if Sarah's applying, there's just no way that Tamarind's going to take two of us from Canada, from the same <laughs> university. It's just not going to happen. And very practically, I just decided, no, I think I'm going to back burner this plan um, I'm going to just, you know, keep it saving for it and, and see what happens. And so I, I kind of really let it go for, for a long time. And it was only in 2012 that I went to Tamarind. So I actually left open studio after 10 years of working there. Mm. Um, strange coincidences. My whole story is all about coincidences. <laughs> I don't know if people will pick up on it. There's going to be a, a lot of overlap, but um, it was after I went to the Impact Conference in Australia that I mentioned to you um, that happened in Melbourne. I don't know what clicked for me, but I was always happy at, happy at Open Studio, but it was a struggle. I, I wasn't making a lot of money. It's an artist-run center, so it's not a professional facility. Um, they don't hire trained printers. They don't keep trained printers on staff. And I was supplementing my income by teaching Pilates. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I was running around the city of Toronto teaching Pilates, printing for artists, teaching lithography, and I had a full-time job as technical director at Open Studio. And after you do that for several years, yeah. some of your joy gets sucked out of you. Yeah. And, um, all, yeah, although all, the, all these things were all things that I loved, and I started them all just because I loved them, I, I turned them into... Um, ways to make money and it was my life and it started to feel like an awful lot and uh, I went to this the impact conference and something just clicked and I said you know what now now is the time I applied for graduate program as well and I applied to Tamron and when I got the letter from Tamron that was a decision made basically yeah you, you packed up your bags and you were you went down to Albuquerque from yeah, from Toronto. Yeah, I ended up, I moved to Albuquerque, um, survived the first year. Anyone who knows Tamron knows that <laughs> an extremely grueling, grueling uh, year of your life, but fantastic. And because I was already printing and juggling so many things, it was just a joy to me to like have life simplified and um, be able to focus on lithography. So I just... Um, you know, I did what I do kind of thing and, and, and threw myself into it completely and then was invited to stay for the second year. So. so I feel like, you know, just from 
being in the print world and knowing the good people at Tamarind and people have been through, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of what that first year is. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the second year and what kind of like specific training you got that that differed. Maybe not the best person to ask. Again, (laughs) I was printing, I was printing professionally for a number of years. So I think my experience is very different from maybe, uh, you know, some of the younger people certainly have stayed for the second year, but it's printing your, your contract printing. I mean, you're, you're working on Tamron's editions and you're collaborating with artists that come in. And I was so fortunate. Um, Bill Lagatuda was the master printer when I was there and it, it just was the best fit Bill and Jill. And we got along great I'm a grumpy old man at heart, so we <laughs> suited each other just perfectly. Bill Bill could have his little grumpy edge, although he's just the loveliest man. And yeah, it, um, just a lot of printing and, and learning from Bill. I mean, again, I had apprenticed early on, and so I knew what that was like to, um, to work that intensely with somebody and be on your toes assisting. And, and so I found that very comfortable dynamic with Bill. Um, and was trusted to to take on collaborating with the artists that come in. So that's the big difference is that you're working with their um, roster of artists that are invited in throughout the year. Leslie Dill, Hung Lu came, you know, just really fantastic artists. And to watch Bill in his element and learn from that is is really the big difference. I mean, you have contact with with Bill and the senior printers when you're in the first year, but not, you know, never on that same level kind of thing. And so you've gotten to work with some pretty well-established, well-known artists, and I want any hot goss that you can tell me on the record. <laughs> That's really what I'm trying to ask. <laughs> Not going to beat around the bush. <laughs> you won't get it from me. That's a, a, a printer never tells. Um, I, yeah, I won't. Um, but it's been, you know, there's, Sure, there's great stuff that happens. Sometimes you love the artists you work with. And like I said, I'm always so attached to the work. So even if there's personality conflicts, it's never happened to affect the work. And, you know, there hasn't been any huge personality conflicts for me. People I like a little better than others, I'm sure. But uh, but I don't know who you're thinking of. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got to collaborate with some terrific artists in South Africa as well. Upon finishing up at Tamron, you you need you need work, right? Yeah. So I thought I was going to go back to Open Studio and quickly learned that promises that were made were were not going to be kept. You know, life takes you on these paths, and I interviewed a few places and would have loved to stay in the U.S. I would have just loved to stay with Bill. But that wasn't going to happen. And he was contacted by Mark Atwood at the Artist Press in South Africa. And they were looking for somebody to train a printer there. And Bill said, well, I've got the perfect person for you and put us in touch. The printer that they were working with had trained at Tamarind, but he left to form his own studio. And it's and the the person that had been working as a sponger, his name was Jackie, and he'd worked as a sponger for nine years. And Mark felt that he would make a terrific printer, but he didn't want to leave his family and travel to Tamarind. So their idea was that they would bring somebody from Tamarind to the artist press. But what they were sure to tell me and um, confuse me with is that Jackie was colorblind. 
Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so I went to train a colorblind printer <laughs> in, <laughs> in White River, South Africa, which is just pretty amazing. So I worked intensively with him for three months. I stayed there and got to audition for William Kendrich and Diane Victor and Claudette Schroeder's just a fantastic experience and Jackie was amazing Mark had bought this spectrometer which is a tool used often in commercial photography I think um, where they'll check the color reading on different I guess printed things I'm, I'm not really sure exactly how they'd apply it but we were able to check the color using the spectrometer and Jackie has an amazing ability to see value tonal value mm. much better than me and so he could see when um, the ink was shifting. And with my help, he learned to check enough and keep an eye on things and, and did really well. He's got patience and just a great personality for it. So yeah. Big six foot something guy. And here's me teaching him how to print with these <laughs> massive rollers. <laughs> it was really funny. And it was Jackie and Jill. And so, of course, we had such a kick out of that. That's so sweet. Yeah, I love it. And so that was that was about those three months after Tamarind and yeah, that... from July until October. But in the meantime, I had gotten this job at NASCAD here. Mm -hmm. So they delayed my start. They permitted me to delay starting until I got back. So I literally flew in from South Africa. I ended my time there by basically doing the circumference of, um, of South Africa and seeing as much as I could. Lovely. And then flew into Toronto, unpacked a bag, repacked a bag, and then flew to Halifax and ended up quite sick in the process, but started work here in the fall of 2014. So that means that you, you're coming up on five years at NASCAD. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah it will be. It's gone by really quickly and really slowly all at the same time. Yeah, I, I understand <laughs> that, that for sure. And so uh, I would love to hear a little bit about your your role there um, at NASCAD. Well, I, I'm I'm the printmaking technician, so mm -hmm. I run the studios and I help students with their work, and I you know I stock inks and I repair the presses and keep all the professors happy. So it's yeah. it's a good job. And the bonus is, I think my colleagues Mark Bovey and Erica Walker knew when they hired me and we had discussions about it that I would want to come and print. And so mm -hmm. very quickly, I've been able to bring in some of the artists that I have long collaborative relationships with, Andy Poskovich from Ann Arbor, um, and then um, Jocelyn Gardner, who I've worked with since 2007. She's come uh, twice now. Um, to continue our work together. And then, you know, the aspirations to revive the NASCAD lithography workshop, which has a big reputation for something that ended way back in the late 70s, early 80s. But people still really remember the work, of course, and uh, it was very impactful in um, Canadian art history. So very interesting for me to, to figure out a way to get publishing happening mm -hmm. back here again. For people who aren't familiar with it, I'd love to just, before you talk about the rebirth of it, the, the, the renaissance that you're in the middle of, I'm just personally curious about what was it sort of like before? You know, you said it had this big impact in Canadian art history, and I don't know, and it ended in the 70s, but anything more particular about it, I'm, I'm always uh, 
keen for hearing the, the backstory. Well, Masquerade University is one of Canada's oldest independent cultural institutions. And Gary Neal Kennedy joined NASCAD in 1967 as president. And Gary Neal Kennedy was aware of print publishing. Uh, he definitely knew of Tamarind. And he thought this would be a great model to set up here in Halifax, which is a real kind of dream. But um, the way NASCAD was functioning is that there were a lot of artists being brought in to teach. And so when they were coming, Kennedy was attracting, you know, cutting edge stars from across Europe and North America to lecture and teach and then uh, and collaborate with students. But he would get them to participate in the workshop. And it was Jack Lemon that um, Kennedy brought here mm. to set up the original studios. And Bob Rogers was working with Jack Lemon at the time. And Bob was set to go to Tamron, but he left Tamron and continued his studies through Tamron, but he did them with Bob and he did them here at NASCAD. Mm. And some of the artists that came were Joseph Boys, Eric Fischel, Vito Aconci, Saul LeWitt, Michael Snow, and Joyce Whalen, Klaus Oldenburg, and John Baldessari. And it was very much conceptual art. So the focus was completely on conceptual art because, of course, it would have been big, big at the time. So the printers had their work cut out for them, trying to figure out how to collaborate with some of these artists. And some of the work was really remarkable that came out of the program. Yeah. With that history, you knew you wanted to, to kind of revitalize that and start the publishing again, and you were able to get a grant for it. Is that correct? Yeah, I think we wanted to revisit, but we didn't want to, you know, do the same thing. I'm, I'm not as interested in focusing on one type of art or artists. And so, you know, focusing on conceptual art just wouldn't be a concern right at this time. And I also you know, we felt responsible for correcting a little bit of what had happened back then, which is that it was a lot of white male uh -huh. dudes. <laughs> Shocker. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Joyce Whalen's O Canada piece, if you don't know it, it's on our, our little website, but um, she mouthed the words to O Canada while kissing a stone. And as you know, a lithographic stone is sensitive to grease. So the lipstick that she had um, formed the mouth impressions on the stone and then they were printed in her favorite lipstick color and it's a very iconic Canadian print but she was one of I think maybe two or three female artists maybe the only one um, mm. included in the program and so we felt like we were going to do things a little bit differently and yeah we received a grant uh, in 2017, April 2017, called a New Chapters Grant, and it's through the Canada Council for the Arts. And they funded, well, they fund a huge amount across Canada, but this uh, in particular is a, a, a pretty big deal for us. And we propose to produce a folio with eight artists from across Canada. And they range hugely in the work that they do. There are women involved as well. <laughs> <laughs> and a really important part of the project as well is working with studios in Cape Dorset, Nunavut. Yeah. So to, again, 
uh, talk about the the coincidences in my own career. Wally Brennan was one of the printers here at NASCAD for the original lithography workshop. And he had traveled to Kine, which is the studio in Cape Dorset, up until I think 1980. He he had gone in the Uh, mid-70s and helped to establish the lithography studios there. So I believe there was a press there already, but he went and kind of helped to make the studios a little more professional. And they work with local artists. It's a co-op, so it's called the West Baffin Eskimo Co-op. And they encourage people from the community to come in and draw. Mm -hmm. And from those drawings, they'll transform them into either stone cuts etching, some relief print, or lithographs. And they're very well known for their published lithographs that are sold through Dorset Fine Arts and Fahili Fine Arts in Toronto. And so this is something that NASC had had formed a relationship many years ago. And the interesting thing with me being back is that that relationship has been reestablished mm. and, and through this grant, which is just fantastic. So I was able to travel to Cape Dorset, to Nunavut. And if anyone hasn't um, figured out where that is, got to look <laughs> on the map because it's way, way out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and really interesting. So I I traveled there. So it's Dorset Island near Fox Peninsula, and it's the southern tip of Baffin Island. And I was able to go there this fall or this past fall, so September 2018, and stay for two weeks. And part of the grant is that I went there and I worked with one of their printers in lithography, helping to sort of up-train him. And then I was able to work with Suvani Ashuna, who's a really well-established artist in Canada, at least, and and getting a a big reputation internationally as well. And it was just a mind-blowing experience. The printers there are fantastic. They are holding their own. But imagine, I mean, you don't come across anyone else working in arts when you're there, right? So he's not aware of certain changes that would have happened or little tricks of the trade that might make his life a little bit easier. He's kind of stuck in production mode. And so there's um, Bill William Ritchie. Bill Ritchie um, is the shop manager up there. And he also, here's the overlap again, he studied here at NASCAD and yeah. he went and did the first year of the Tamron program many years ago. And he's been at Kinate for a number of years. And he's great working with the printers. But again, he's not training as a printer anymore and um, and doesn't have contact collaborating regularly with a variety of artists. So he felt that the, the, the printer there, Nivyatsi, could use a little bit of up training, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just became the, the most interesting exchange, really. I, I just feel really fortunate to have gone and lucky that uh, hopefully I'll be able to continue the relationship and, and travel back again. And then as part of the grant, they both, so Nivyatsi and um, Suva and I have come here now. They just visit mm. us in April, and that was fantastic to see them here working in our studios and creating a print. So finally, I made a print with um, Suv and I in Cape Dorset, um, and then we've made one for the folio here as well. So, like, As you said, it sounds like there is a chance this is going to be kind of an ongoing, con- continued collaboration, even after like this initial project probably uh, comes to its completion in this autumn. I would hope so. I think it's a great working relationship in terms of training Nivyatsi. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a certain amount of trust that you have to build, a little bit um, mistrusting of someone from the South coming up and just, you know, 
telling him what's up, which is absolutely fair enough. Yeah. And so we've got a terrific working relationship now. And I think it would be, you know, it'd be silly to end things too quickly if, if there's a, a need for him to expand on his skills a little bit and I can help with that, then um, I think it's a win-win for all of us. So. Yeah, absolutely. And so what do you have kind of left on your plate for this eight-person portfolio? Yeah. Yeah, who's, who's left that you're going to be working it's with? eight different artists. Um, I've started all the collaborations now. Oh, nice. So we have Ed Pian, Brendan Fernandez, Amy Malba, Jordan Bennett, and Derek Sullivan, Sherry Boyle, Suvenai, and then Erica Walker. So I've just begun proofing for Erica Walker, um, who's faculty here at NASCAD. And I can't, I can't show images, but right. there's a lot of little teases, <laughs> a lot of te- teasing on the Instagram. So gotcha. um, that's been fun. But everything's begun. Everything's well underway. Uh, a bunch of the additions are completed. I just finished Suvenai's last week. And so I've got three editions underway this summer. So the crunch is on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And then, um, and then it's going to, you said, come to an end in September? Yeah, we were supposed to launch in June. And for whatever reason, we were granted an extension from the Canada Council. The folio will be launching at the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia, and that's going to happen in December. So when the exact dates and information is available, I'll, I'm definitely going to post it because I feel like I've been teasing people for, well, it's been two years, right? <laughs> yeah. It's been two years of my life, too. And I'd like to see it culminate into um, a nice release of the prints. But yeah, it's going to be something to watch out for. And the work is just great. It's just such a variety of work. It's uh, It's been fascinating to see, you know, the overlaps. I get a lot of questions about, do I see any similarities because I'm the printer involved in it, mm. which I always feel is a little, it's a bit of a strange question. Mm. Um, for me, I, I, I never really accept that I would bring all that much to a print I've had great conversations about this so don't don't get on me but uh, <laughs> uh, but um there is there's some interesting overlaps with the word each print is just so different and um I'm really excited about them I think it's going to be really well received yeah um and it's just such a huge deal you know in Canadian printmaking which is I still kind of have to pinch myself a little bit that that we got the grant to begin with. I think we were all really shocked. And I think everybody that's involved has just been really fantastic and and, um, excited about it. So Yeah, yeah, that sounds that's really, really something to look for. I'm sure it feels like it's been a long time coming to get to share openly about everything you've been working on but I know I'm really excited to see it yeah well there's still a lot to do so I'm I'm like excited nervous and like kind of scared that you know I'm not gonna pull it all off so (laughs) (laughs) you're there that's like me every day before a podcast comes out like (laughs) I bet yeah 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 pressure's on pressure's on Thank you so much for coming on and and telling us your your story and and all the exciting work that you've been doing. I I it's just has been a real pleasure. So it's my pleasure. I think often um, in telling how my career has turned out in printmaking, um, it's been important to me um, to let people know that you don't necessarily have to be a gallery artist mm. as a printmaker that there's so many other ways to enter 
the field, if it's something that you really love and, you know, I've worked completely technically for so long now, that's my, my thing, but there's so many other important jobs and roles that people can play to um, maybe fund making their own work. You know, it's not of interest to me to make my work at this stage really, Mm -hmm. but um, I've made my living in my field and that's just fantastic when somebody's able to do that. So it's, I, I'd like for young pe- people who want to be involved in printmaking to think in those terms as well, that there might be something else out there for them. No, I, I, I love that. And I do think that that's really significant because I think that it's something that is really rich and um, tangible within the world of printmaking that not necessarily is there in other sides of the art world. You know, it's that's obviously with a bunch of caveats, but I, I love that because it's, there's so many different doors into this if you if you've got the passion for it and I I think it is really important for young people to hear. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I don't think everyone's going to be a master printer. It's not for everyone, but um there's definitely you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of cool things you can do out there with your training. Yeah. That's great. Well, that's the, I think that's the perfect perfect place to close. I'd love to ask you where people can find you and follow all these projects and the best way to see what you're up to. You can find me on Instagram. It's jillgraham.ink. And we have a website here, um, NASCAD Litho. Um, it's a WordPress, wordpress.com, if you want to check out the website that's specific to the grant project. Very nice. And so um, we can follow you there and see all your adventures so i love it that'd be great yeah well thank you again and um thanks miranda yeah i will be in touch um when i know when it's coming out and so we'll we'll talk soon terrific let's keep in touch sounds great thank you again jill okay thank you okay bye bye well that's our show for this week Join me again in two weeks' time when my guest will be Ronaldo Gil Zambrano. We talk about growing up in Venezuela, leaving home at 16 to attend art school, and building up and nurturing an incredible printmaking community in Spokane, Washington. And that episode is going to be another double release in Spanish and English. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf with editing help from Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you in two weeks.